Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Connect My Tech and Navman. Now, when it comes to Navman, there's a number of things that I really would love to talk about. We never have enough time to get through it all. But the biggest question I have to ask you today, ladies and gentlemen, is have you ever been told that you appear to be lost, that you just look like you need some guidance in life? Well, if you haven't got navigation built into your car, and even if you do, it's probably out of date, you should be considering a proper navigation unit. And what I mean by that is one that isn't just going to get you from A to B, but actually going to really help you give that proper guidance, an actual point of reference guidance, not just turn left in 100 meters and suddenly you see two streets on the left-hand side that could be within 100 meters. I'm talking about proper navigation and Navman offers that. Now, one of the th products that I do love from Navman is their MyCam range. I've spoken about these on numerous occasions and I cannot stress it enough. It's navigation on the front, big seven inch screen staring in front of you with the MyCam Explore. But on the back, you've got a dash cam camera recording everything that happens on the road in front of you. The one thing about the Explore that I particularly like, and I'll, I'll be quick on this because it's important, but you have got four-wheel drive tracks built in. Now, if you are someone who's going on a road trip, proper exploring where you're heading off the beaten track, you need to make sure you've got four-wheel drive tracks programmed into your GPS. You know, that makes sure that you're sticking onto the trail. And even if you see a deviation off that trail, you don't take it. You're following the right path and making sure you get to the point that you want to do, whether it's a campsite or something else, you spend the great night that you're wanting to be having out in the wilderness. That's what Australia is so well known for. So head to navman.com.au. Have a look at their entire range. And seriously, you will be impressed. There is so much to choose from and the prices just keep getting better. Now let's get on with the show. Rasembrasma Jeff Quattromani, multi-Australian in Sydney. Tech expert Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello everybody, thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk tech. Now, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Now, first of all, I have an opened a pretty special bottle tonight, actually. Um, I don't know exactly what the real reason is. Is it because we've got a new sponsor we're going to talk about later on the show? Is it because the 15 acres that I you know, acquired a few months ago has now turned into something as large as Tuggera Lake? Uh, what is the special occasion? I don't quite know. However, I have opened or pulled the actual cork out of the DR3 St. Hugo Kunawara Cabernet Sauvignon. What does that actually mean? Well, it's the Danny Ricciardo bottle from St. Hugo, my favorite vineyard on the planet. I'm a huge F1 fan, not a huge Danny Rick fan, to be honest. He's great because he's Aussie, but he's not that great. This wine, however, is exceptional. It's much better than he is at racing. I really love this Cabernet. Now, I've always loved Cabernet Sauvignon from the Kunawara, uh, from St. Hugo particularly. They have a very good selection of fantastic Kunawara Cabernets. This one is a special edition bottle. In fact, if you don't have one, you can't get one. Um, I probably should have opened the bottle. Maybe it was worth a bit more unopened, but it's been delicious. $65 when it was released. And honestly, it's been worth every penny. It's lovely. There is going to be a new vintage released later this year. And if you're interested in doing that, if you're a big Danny Rick fan, you can go ahead and get it. Look, it was funny when he announced this bottle, um, I immediately wanted it. Not and I guess, you know, I, I like F1, so that helped get across the line. But honestly, it was a St. Hugo piece. Their wine is just exceptional. They don't pay me to say this. I'm just a big St. Hugo fan, especially Kunawara Cabernet. It's always great. I've also got his Shiraz, the DR3 Shiraz, which I'll open on another day. Maybe when I feel like it's time to pop the cork on something special. Anyway, you can go and find those on the St. Hugo website. I think Dan Murphy's and others will also sell it as well. Really nice bottle of wine. 
Now today, guys, we're going to talk a lot of technology, a lot. Uh, first of all, new product from Sonos. Pretty excited about that. Um, if you live in Tasmania, I'm sorry, your internet was cut, seriously cut across the state this week. I want to quickly touch on that. Um, have you noticed that your voice assistant is female? Do you think that's sexist? Apple has a solution for that, and they're going to be dropping it in the next iOS update. We're going to talk about um, Connect My Tech, the new sponsor of the show, uh, but we're going to do that by interviewing their founder. Um, Patrick will join us later on to have a quick chat about what the business is, uh, what they do, and why it makes sense for, for us to be working with them uh, on the podcast. Elon Musk, I mean, I feel like we almost talk about the guy every week, but we've got to talk about him. He's almost the Iron Man when it comes to the Ukraine and Russian war at the moment, if you call it a war. I think it's a war. Um, and he's just done some exceptional stuff, which is worth noting. You know, give him credit when it's due. And Apple, would you believe it? I opened up my inbox this week. Get this. And there was an invitation from Apple for their virtual event. Now, I know it's only a virtual event, but I was invited. I officially received the invitation that most people will screenshot and share when they receive it in their inbox. I've finally received one. I think Apple and I are friends again. We are getting along and I'm kind of feeling like I'm skating on that little thin ice. It's almost like that same feeling when you're watching flood water rising onto your property and wondering, am I okay? I feel like we're okay. Now, very quickly, Sonos, they have announced a new product and it's kind of new. So it's new-ish. It's the Sonos Roam SL. Now, SL definitely stands for something, and I don't know what it is. It's not exactly in front of me. However, the Sonos Roam I have, I have it literally in front of me, and I love this speaker. It has wireless charging. It's got the voice assistant built in. It's portable. It's one of those speakers that I can take anywhere, throw around, and it sounds great. It punches well above its weight from a size and performance point of view, and I recommend them to people all the time. What's the Sonos Roam SL? Well, it takes out some of the good stuff um, and they make it cheaper. So the Sonos Roam SL is a lightweight version of this and effectively same speakers. Uh, you can still use it in the same way, except for a couple of things. They take away the microphones. If you take away the microphones, it means that you can't normally talk to Google or, um, or Amazon's voice assistant that could be set up on the device. That's gone. But it also means that the microphones will no longer be able to be used to tune. Now, one of the things that I love about the Roam is that whether it's placed on its side, upright, close to a wall, away from a wall, it uses the microphones and other features to tune itself every time you actually move the speaker to make sure it makes the most of the position that it's in. And it's actually a genuinely noticeable feature that will be gone in the Roam SL as well. Now, pricing has not been announced for this yet. Now, the Roam sells for 299. Now, when you compare this to the Sonos One, which is the speaker, the in-room speaker that you would have, the Sonos One, I believe, is 299, and their SL of the One is 279. There's usually a $30 gap. Will it be 30 bucks with this one, and this one will just be 279 as well? Maybe. Will it be 250? I don't know. There's no pricing yet, but we know that this will be released later on in the year. Um, I don't think people are going to really be that upset by the fact that it's lost the voice system part. For me, this speaker is not one that I use primarily for, for voice. I actually use it most of the time when I'm having a barbecue or I'm away from Wi-Fi and things like that anyway. So it's one of those great portable speakers, meaning the voice system isn't as important. If it's not connected to Wi-Fi, the voice system doesn't work anyway. So it's something to think about. I like it. I'm interested to see what this one sounds like. It should be the exact same, 
but I want to also have a bit of a test through because I think if it can be reduced to 250, that will be a cracking price point for a Sonos speaker, and it's seriously one worth considering. Now, do you live in Tassie? Now, for everyone who's listening outside of Australia, Tasmania is an island that wants to be part of Australia. Um, it's a small, small state um, where I think four or five people live. Um, and they had a bit of a drama this week. One of the biggest dramas that Tasmania saw this week was they lost phone and internet services. Now, I didn't know that Tasmania had access to the internet because they haven't evolved in such a long time. However, stick with me here. It seems like the cables that run from Victoria to Tasmania were cut. There's two of them, two significant cables that they run. And we're not talking about just Cat5 Ethernet cables being strewn across the water. This is serious cabling that gets put in. I'm talking about like thick stuff, like pipe. Um, They got cut. Bit of an accident. The poor first year apprentice that did it probably doesn't have a job anymore. Something went wrong. We're not getting all the details of it. I think when it first happened, most people started to think it was Russia. Just, well, there it is. That's the Russian attack. They've decided to take out Tasmania. I mean, that would be weaker than them trying to walk into Ukraine and running out of petrol. It would just be embarrassing. So yes, they took out Tasmania. Nobody noticed. Um, I think what happened was someone tried to call someone in Tasmania just to check in to see if they were around and they couldn't get through. A few days later, maybe, is when they realized that their internet lines were cut. Who knows? Now, you've got to remember here that when something like this does happen, it's actually a significant problem. Um, Maybe not for Tasmania because they don't quite know what the internet is yet, but they had it. But one of the things is, is that it does mean that services like FPOS, ATMs, services that use the internet, which potentially people in Tasmania would be using. I don't know if they're still using chisels, but if you do have an FPOS terminal, it could be using 4G or it could be hardwired in. Even still, if both of those things go down and it can't connect to the banks, you've got trouble. So fascinating thing. If, it, if something like this happened to the mainland, which is actually Australia, then we'd have a crazy drama. I remember once when even the FPOS network went down. I think it was just in New South Wales. My goodness. You can just imagine you're doing your groceries, you get to the checkout, you can't pay suddenly because the FPOS system just went down. Um, imagine if the internet actually went down statewide or countrywide. It's a huge deal. There's so many services that rely on the internet, um, maybe not in Tasmania, but everywhere else. It's just a big deal. So for me to hear that two cables could get cut and disconnect an entire state seems like a bit of a problem. Seems like we might need a plan C on that one. And I still don't know if we're blaming Russia on that because it just doesn't make sense. Maybe they tried to get Tanzania. Are they upset with Tanzania? Maybe they got the spelling wrong when they tried hacking. Or maybe that was the easiest one to hack because there was no one there. I don't know. Now, Siri. You you spoke to her lately. I don't use Siri a lot. And it's not really because I don't use an iPhone or have a HomePod. I do have an iPad, but why would I use a voice system on an iPad anyway? I don't use Siri a lot. Even when I did use an iPhone, I found her pretty unhelpful. And even me just saying that sentence, I found her pretty unhelpful. That could appear to be a sexist thing because why do I assume the gender? of my voice assistant. Yes, Siri was voiced via female originally, and that would be a very good reason as to why, but that doesn't give me the excuse to assume that Siri is female. Now, 
Siri has since been available in other voices and even other accents, male, female, American, Australian, English, um, English is in the UK. Uh, there's plenty of other languages and I get that. I think that's important that Apple did that because it means that you could talk to someone who sounds like your partner. And I think that's really a good thing. Then when you don't talk to your partner often enough, you can talk to them in, as a voice assistant and still ask them to get you a drink, even though it will never actually happen, just like in the real world. Now, Siri is gaining a new gender neutral voice. Gender neutral. And I've heard it. It's, co- it's called Quinn. And I don't know if the Quinn part is going to be made public, but it's been found in the next iOS beta release that Quinn is embedded. Now, Quinn is the gender neutral voice that when you talk to her, him, it, when you talk to the, the, the Siri, the Siri, they Siri, um, you won't be able to decipher whether it's a male or female voice. And I've heard Quinn talk and it's true. I, I heard it. It could be a boy who hasn't gone through puberty yet and just hasn't got that deep voice, or it could be a girl that skateboards. It's hard to tell. So Siri is gaining a gender neutral voice and it will be available in iOS 15.4 if you've been offended by the fact that you could be talking to an assistant that has a gender. That if you don't want to have an Ask Jeeves type voice and you don't want to have Ask Female voice, then... This is what you're going to be left with. Quinn, and you know what? Dr. Quinn used to be the medicine woman. And I, that's what I think about, and I shouldn't. I'm showing my bias there, and I apologize for that gender bias that I keep talking about. Uh, but gender neutral. <laughs> iOS 15.4 is something that you're very, very conscious about, or not conscious about, and should be. Now, this week, we start our relationship with Connect My Tech. Um, Connect My Tech is a company that has recently started. Uh, Patrick from Connect My Tech got in touch and we found that his business uh, is a great idea because it's something that I feel like I do for free sometimes. And I wanted to understand what they do. And we discovered that we just have this perfect dynamic between the podcast and his business. Uh, We're going to be talking about them in the middle of the show each and every week. And I'm so excited that we can actually be talking to Patrick now uh, rather than me just giving you a spiel of who and what they are. We thought we'd get Patrick on just to tell us in his own words. Patrick, tell me, why does Connect My Tech exist? Where did this come about? So, Jeff, um, the, the, the concept came about through my, uh, my recent experience working with a major telecom provider. And uh, it was the usual story. Uh, you get asked to help out with uh, people at the, at the water cooler or at the barbecue, and they say, oh, well, you work for a telecom company. Um, can you help me with my mobile phone? Or can you help me with my internet? So clearly I did that as a favour for many people. Um, but then I thought, wow, this, this number is growing by the day. So it's not just family. It became friends of the family and then acquaintances. And I thought, well, there must be a market out there. There must be people that are dying for help in the, in the home tech space. So there was an opportunity last year for me to um, consider setting up a business. And I embarked on a course, doing a little uh, business course. Mm-hmm. And then the, um, the actual brand and the, and the business launched in uh, December last year. Uh, and to date, we've just had um, uh, a lot of new customers that have come on board, obviously, because it's a new company. Mm. But um, it's the same thing. The, the, the people that I was helping back in the day when I was working for the major company, they've still got the same problems. So it's just, a, it's just a, an idea that was born out of need. Um, people were, were asking for help around their, around their home tech uh, needs. 
And I thought that was a bit of a market that could be filled in, and that's why uh, we embarked on it. And if and if somebody does engage Connect My Tech, how do you actually help people? What 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 is your process that you go through? So the I've I've based my model on um, something a bit niche, a bit new. There's not many people that do what that we do in the in the market today. So if you were to approach me, I would be talking back to you and saying, "Hello, customer. Uh, what is it that that you have today in terms of your?" Um, your your tech needs. So tell me about your your mobile and your mobile spend. Tell me about your internet, your internet spend. Your do you know about your Wi-Fi? Do you know uh, about all the different technical technology needs around the house? Mm. And then um, I would sit down and and and, uh, and do a report around that and give you some advice around whether you can uh, stay where you are with with the current um, choices you've got or we can save you a couple of dollars or we can save you a couple of dollars and get you some better product. So what what you do then is you subscribe with me and you're with me for the whole year. And uh, if you're a, a senior or concession person, that's a $99 package. And if you're a non-concession, it's a $149 package. Okay. And for that money, you get the full report so I'll, I'll do a, a review of your, your whole uh, tech landscape and give you some um, recommendations around that. And from that report, you can then do a self-installation or self-implementation if you, if you choose to do so, mm-hmm. or you can get me to help you to do that as well. So um, it's a, it's the, the first port of call is you're, you're with me for that, that, uh, that report and that one year. And then, um, and then if you need me to help you with the initial setup, uh, I, I do so. Or um, uh, the other thing is you've in that in that support package, you're also uh, got some uh, uh, um, what would you call it uh, offline support. So okay. if you need if you needed to to call in and and ask me a question that I can help you with offline, I can do so. But if you needed me to come back and visit on site, well then that would be an, a small additional charge to do to do that as well. Look, and for me, I really love this. And I know that, you know, myself being in a position where I've got a tech background, people come to me and do the same thing. In fact, my mother-in-law was asking me about her mobile phone plan just the other day. So, you know, not everyone knows someone like myself or yourself, but now that there is a business behind it, anyone can get to know you, Patrick. And I think that's what's going to happen here is if you don't know someone who can help you with your tech needs, we've now got a person to refer to, and that's you. So, Mate, I'm really excited about it because I don't necessarily want to solve everybody's problems, but uh, I understand helping people out. But, you know, this is a fantastic initiative that I can just think of so many people that are going to need your services. So hopefully, and I think you will be certainly busy, but, uh, you know, thank you so much for for joining our show and, and certainly, you know, throwing your support behind it as well. And I think as we go on through the weeks, we'll be able to share some stories about where you are impacting people, things that you've noticed or tips that you've found, and uh, listeners will certainly get some value out of that as well. Yeah, and that's that's the uh, that's the aspiration for me as well. Um, I, I mean, I've listened to to your your podcast, and um, and you've you've alluded to the many challenges that people have had, and it it, it touched a nerve with me because um, I thought, oh well, hang on a minute, that's what Jeff's talking about is what I'm seeing um, on the ground. So it'd be good to align uh, align with uh, with your podcast and maybe. Um, uh, help some people out along the way, and um, I'm looking forward to the to the, the new relationship with um, Technology Uncorked. And um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Look, absolutely, and we may catch up with you again later on in the year as well to see how things are going. But otherwise, I'm looking forward to talking about Connect My Tech throughout the year. And uh, Patrick, thanks again for joining the show. Appreciate your time, Jeff. All the best, and thanks yeah. thanks to all your listeners too. Thank you. 
Now, you'd have to be living under a rock to not know that there is some drama going on in Eastern Europe. Russia is moving into the Ukraine and they're trying their best. Now, we're talking about a giant company trying to walk in on a very small, did I say company? I meant country, or very small country, and they're struggling. But one of the things that they have been doing well with is, I guess, disrupting their internet. And as a result, well, first of all, I feel like this time, this little dispute that we're seeing is one of the first times that we're really seeing cyber and internet services become a real battleground. And might touch on that a little bit later in the show. But what we're seeing first and foremost is internet connections for the Ukrainians are starting to get disrupted. And as a result, Ukrainians or one of the politicians from the Ukraine reached out to Elon Musk via Twitter, because that's where business is done these days, guys, um, on Twitter and just said, hey, bro, we ain't got much internet. Can you hook us up? And Musk decides to step in and says, yeah, no worries, cuz I'll send my satellites over your country. And or I think it's, it's a country, right? Over your country. And I'll also send you a bunch of dishes and you guys can be using my internet service. It's kind of nice to hear that. It's kind of nice to hear that, you know, when other politicians get up and they say, we're sending aid, we're sending this. All they had to do was send some satellites and it would have made big news across the world. I mean, if ScoMo just sent a bunch of his own little dishes, maybe flew the, uh, what's it called, Sky Mesh straight over there, maybe we'd be able to supply the Ukraine with our NBN. And then they would lose because of how bad that satellite service is. But having Starlink is a good thing. It's a very good thing. It means incredible download speeds and pretty decent upload speeds for the Ukrainians to stream as much Netflix as they like while the Russians just fall over themselves. But what's been interesting here is as they've arrived, I started to think about this. They've been telling the Ukrainians to hide, go underground, to turn off their lights. Uh, they had a day where there was a curfew and things like that. Effectively, when the Russians are starting to walk your streets, you don't want to make it obvious that you're home. I mean, that could be a problem when you're in a battle. So maybe having a Starlink satellite dish on your roof could give something away. They're not that small and they need to be externally facing. You can't have one in a train station and hope to connect to a satellite dish or a satellite from there. So I think it might be a dead giveaway if your apartment has a dish sticking out the window and that's your way of getting the internet. You may find some bullets flying through there. I don't know. But when I heard the news, fantastic. Well, let's get these people online. Let's give them what they actually need. But at the same time, you have to wonder whether it was actually going to be a bit of a flag waving at the same time to say over here, just right here. Now, this, this whole thing, I'm, not, I'm never going to do politics on this stuff. However, it's been fascinating to watch companies take sides. And I mean, rightly or wrongly, that's not up to me to decide here. But what has been interesting is hearing about companies um, such as Facebook, social media platforms and others who are starting to stop advertising from uh, Russian websites on their on their platform, um, Russian media uh, sites such as news outlets and things like that, not being able to get access even onto, say, Foxtel. I'm pretty sure the RT news channel is gone. Um, they've effectively been working globally to ruin Russia's existence, I guess, from an internet point of view. Um, Anonymous has even stepped in. I mean, they are a cyber hacking group. They've stepped in and they've started to hack a lot of Russian websites. And it's amazing to see that while the Ukraine has such a small army, such a small, weak army, it's been amazing to see globally not support 
from an army point of view per se, but how much corporates have stepped in and said, we're going to do whatever we can. If we see Russia on our platform in any state, any shape or form, we're going to try and see how we can hamper that for them. And I find that absolutely fascinating that, you know, a company is effectively picking sides by doing that. They're choosing that the country that's being invaded shouldn't be. um, And probably that's a great thing. However, to see them take action on this has been really interesting. Now, the other interesting part is this. When Twitter um, decided to take sides during the Trump era, literally take sides as in remove Trump's Twitter accounts and things like that, and even censor a lot of his tweets, it's been interesting to see they haven't done really done that with Russian Twitter accounts. And I love when I'm actually enjoying when corporates are taking a stand and saying, no, nah, we're not having this. We're not having misinformation on our platform. We're not having um, inciting violence on our platform. Great. You're, you're making that your platform a safer place to be. I get it. But you've got to be consistent. So if you're going to take Trump away, you've got to take Russia away. And if you're going to take Russia away, you've got to take China away. Because when you think about misinformation, it's being done by a lot of people. Where do you draw the line on making this work? I mean, I, didn't, I said I didn't want to get political, but when Trump apparently um, incited that people should go and raid whatever building it was in the US, what's happening in Russia? Like they're telling people to invade a country here, a country, a whole country, not a building. And we're not going to disrupt their Twitter accounts. Maybe we should. Maybe they would stop disrupting countries. I think that would be more than actually um, running into a building. Anyway, it's been interesting to watch. And I think for me, um, that's fascinating. Now, the other part to this as well is that even companies like Apple have said, we're not going to sell products into Russia anymore. A lot of large tech companies, um, SAP, Oracle, are saying we will not be providing our services, like new services, to Russia anymore as well. It's really interesting to see where companies are drawing the line on where Russia exists. And if you think about companies that are global, um, if you work for a global company that has an office or a presence in Russia, as well as the Ukraine, one of the interesting things I've seen this week is even reporting line changes. Now, you have to remember that maybe a year ago or maybe before this drama began, someone could be working in the Ukraine and their manager could be in Russia. You know, the, the area is not that big in terms of in terms of scale that could be very likely and we've heard this week about companies splitting their organizations to effectively allow russia to operate outside of their organization but as a separate organization under their brand because of those you know obvious issues that if you were working with someone in russia and you're in the ukraine what are you going to talk about i'm pretty sure you're going to talk about hey what are you doing get your people off my back now i received an email this week from apple and It's one that I used to receive once upon a time. Actually, not really, but sometimes. And we had a relationship turn sour. Things appear like they're getting better. Now, in saying that, I received the virtual invitation for an Apple event that will be starting next Wednesday, March 9th. Go in your diaries, scratch out 5 a.m. and say, wake up and watch Apple event from bed. It's what I do. It's actually a lot of fun. And watching an, a product event after it's not after live sucks. And it's like watching sport after, imagine recording the football and then watching it a day later. No, the buzz is gone. If you watch an Apple event live, you actually feel the buzz compared to if you try and catch up on the highlights later. It just doesn't feel the same. Now, it's called Apple P 
peak performance. That's what's going to be all about this invitation. And everyone starts to read into it. The first thing I read into it is they spelled peak wrong. Um, however, it's a different type of peak. So they're talking about P-E-E-K, as in looking, compared to peak as in the mountain, like a, a mountain peak. That confused my brain immediately. However, the rumors will obviously start to swell. The word performance being in there is a huge giveaway straight away that there's going to be something interesting from a display performance point of view or something similar. Now, when we take those words out and you start to think, well, what should Apple be announcing at this point? You start to think, well, okay, let's look at the iPhone landscape. iPhone SE is likely to be updated. Now, not everyone can afford an iPhone 13. No, the iPhone 13 is $1,349 in Australia at base. That's a lot of money. Now, Apple still sell the iPhone 11 at $849. But if you wanted to get the iPhone SE, it's $679 now. It has been reduced over time since it was announced. Now, it's important to say here, the iPhone SE in its current state looks like a 20-year-old device. It possibly couldn't look older than if I just go and grab a phone from my 90-year-old neighbor and ask him if he just bought it. The iPhone SE second generation um, at $679 still has the home button, still has a huge wedge of plastic on the top, and it just looks dated. It's got a single lens camera on the back, uh, 4.7 inch display. You would effectively crush it with our big hands as we've evolved over time. It doesn't have 5G. To me, that's not a huge deal breaker, but it doesn't. It has got a flash on the back. Isn't that incredible? Um, but there is so many things that it's lacking. It's got the A13 chip. We're now up to A15. So it's two generations behind. So you can see there are some issues here. Now, it still uses Touch ID because it has the home button. Um, you know, there's a number of things here where you start to think, that phone has got to go. So what are they going to do? What do they do? Do they ditch the iPhone 11 and rebrand it as an iPhone SE and then make it cheaper? Or do they make something entirely different? What I think will be the most obvious thing is that home button's going. We're going all screen. Um, and whether they take the design of the iPhone 10 or they take the design of the iPhone 11, very similar designs, but as long as they remove the home button off the front, they're making progress. Their key here is going to try and make the device as inexpensive as possible. Now, one of the things that was interesting to me from memory was that when the iPhone 11 was announced, I think it was the 11, they stopped immediately selling the iPhone 10. The iPhone 10, which was not actually an old device because there was the 10s, but the iPhone 10 was removed very quickly. And I would suggest that the next iPhone looks just like the iPhone 10. Maybe has some updated internal components. We know that had two cameras on the back. It could actually meet the criteria of being a better iPhone SE, having upgraded processes and hardware and things like that so it has the performance of a decent smartphone, but at least it won't look like an old relic by still having a home button and the big piece of plastic on the top. So you bring in the iPhone 10. They, they stopped selling it. I'm, I'm almost dead certain about this. Maybe it was the 12, but I'm pretty sure when they announced the 11, they stopped selling the iPhone 10 on that day. Where's the stock gone? I think there's been some changes. I think that's when they stockpiled them for the next iPhone SE, which is this one. And I think that's what we're going to see, maybe. Now, it's also worth probably potentially thinking about, well, what else would they announce? Surely they're not going to have us up at 5 a.m. just to tell us about a phone, even though I feel like they've done that time and time again. The events lately have been very 
boring and minimal. What about an iPad? What about the iPad 9th generation? What about the iPad Air? Now, the iPad 9th generation has what looks like the camera from, I don't know, a Motor Motorola flip phone from the 80s. It has a very, very old camera. It still has the home button, still has a big piece of plastic on the top. It is their cheapest iPad, so I understand why they have that. It's great for education at 499. Um, there's some huge benefits to having an inexpensive iPad, but it doesn't really have the same look and feel. You'd be bullied at school if you took it there compared to the iPad Air at 899, which is a significant leap. At 899, I think that they could do something where they have the iPad Air drop down a little bit, maybe bring it in at the 699 mark, and then you're allowing for an all-screen display with a decent, even, even if it is a single-lens camera at the back, a decent single-lens camera at the back, 10.9-inch uh, screen. I think they could be doing something along those lines. If they say that they have removed the home button of every device that they could possibly sell in 2022, that would be progress for me because at least when you look at their websites and look at their products, all their designs will now just be all screen. I think that's an important factor. The other area that they could make changes to. So we've done phone, we've done iPad. What else? Could they announce a new pair of AirPods Pro? The AirPods Pro is old. It's very old. Um, they have announced other AirPods since then, but not one that can replace the AirPods Pro. If they released an AirPods Pro 2, that would be the biggest news of the week. Um, it, would out, it would eclipse whatever else they announce. If they announce a new iPhone SE, who cares? A new iPad, who cares? But if they release an iP AirPods Pro 2, that's where we're going to have some fun. Because right now, when you look at the headphone market, everything else, well, not everything else, but a number of other brands are eclipsing the AirPods Pro, eclipsing them by a good amount, by a good margin. And here would be a really good opportunity for a new pair of AirPods to be announced. I would like to see that happen. But we might see something else. We might see some changes in laptops and or desktops. Now, if you head to the Mac or Apple website, what interests me a lot is that when they did the new iMac with the M1 processor, all the bells and whistles, the little fabric speaker bar at the front, the colors that they brought them in, the blues, the greens, the reds, they only did it in a 24-inch model. Now's a good time to do the 27. Do the 27-inch, have it come out in the colors, do M1 or bump it up with M2. M2 processors would make a lot of sense as well. Uh, there could be changes. I think there could be changes in the MacBook Air. It's currently still an M1 processor as well, a 2020 product. We're now in 2022. Would be nice to see some change there, especially design. I feel like that design has been around for a long, long time. And also the Mac Mini. Those who are still playing in the desktop space don't want the all-in-one. They like to buy the desktop hardware separately. A new Mac Mini would make sense as well. Still, it is M1. It is a 2020 product. It could be due for an upgrade. It's currently a thousand bucks. Make it the M2, and then we can start to see some bells and whistles flying. So there's a few things going on in that space. I think I've touched on a lot of them. I think there could be something in every category, or there could be none. I don't think there'll be a new Apple TV. I don't think that quite makes sense just yet, unless they want to go something around 8K, but I just don't see Apple doing doing that. It seems a bit too ahead of the curve at this point. I would love to see new AirPods. I don't think we'll see a new watch. Um, I just don't I just don't see that. It seems too early. 
Um, so I think everything else would be just fine. We're not going to see virtual reality goggles, augmented reality goggles, or anything like that. I think we're just going to see new products of the same product line. Um, it would be incredible if Apple decided to actually announce something that's completely new, as in a whole new product line or area. I just don't see it happening at this event, um, or I don't really see it happening this year. I feel like a lot of companies are going to be doing almost a little bit of status quoing this year, as we have those semiconductor shortages and a lot of drama going on in this in this globe that we live on. Uh, I think that we're just going to see iterative upgrades across the year. So, what do you think? You know how to reach me: social media, email, find me. You will absolutely be able to email me, just like Patrick did actually from from Connect My Tech. He found me and he emailed me, um, and that's how we got talking. You can DM me. Um, I had a couple of people reach out to me this week saying it was complete fire when I started talking about the data story and calling out some of our um, other friends who perhaps could be covering stories a little bit better. Um, but thank you for those who did message um, through different platforms, whether it was Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, to give me some kudos on that piece. I actually really enjoyed that episode, and I hope, uh, or I'm glad to hear that many of you did as well. Have a great week. Stay safe. Um, seriously, I have water close to my home. It's wild. I wish I had a robot boat that I could just drive around right now. Have a great week. I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye.